This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape, I'm from Community Waikato, and welcome Karen Stockman. Thank you, Holly. Nice to be here. Also from Community Waikato. So we're doing a tag team again today, which would be great. And today we're talking about well-being. Uh, I think well-being is on the minds of lots of people. It's that time of year where we start thinking about the year to come as well. So yeah, we thought we'd we'd have a conversation today about well-being for 2022. I think it's going to be another unusual year. That's my prediction. Well, I'd say that you're fairly right. Yeah, good <laughs> chance you're fairly right. I feel like I feel like that's the case. Um, you know, moving from um, the old style into the traffic light system, we know that there are tensions around. There's anxieties for people around. Um, COVID in the community, all of that kind of stuff. And there's fatigue. There's in there, Holly. You know, there's fatigue. Um, Mm. We're all limping towards the end of 2021, I think. Well, we limped towards the end of 2021. Yes, we we did. Are we limping into 2022, perhaps? Well, let's (laughs) hope we're not. I think, think, though, it's worth taking some time to consider how to make the most of the year to come. Sure. So let's talk about that. Let's start with um, what is well-being. If I asked you, Karen, tell me about well-being, what is it? How would you respond to that? Um, I would say that it is an individual thing. So well-being is a state of being well mm-hmm. in mind, body, spirit, emotionally. So... Yeah, first and foremost, I would say that it's an individual thing. So what mm-hmm. well-being looks like for you or what, how, how you maintain a wellness for yourself is different to what it would look like for me. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's quite important to consider when we're managing teams, for example. You know, that when we're considering the well-being of our team, particularly working in an NGO, a not-for-profit not organisation. Absolutely, yep. Um, and and our, our teams, te- people tend to give a lot emotionally as well. You know, that there's um, the work that often we're involved with in the sector does take a toll on people. Absolutely. So it's a heart-driven sort of sector, really. Eh? We're, we're driven by a purpose. Yes. Um, and we're not driven just by the dollar that we take home at the end of the day. That's right, yeah. So it's more than a job, it's more than a vocation. So if we're saying, though, that people have individual needs for their well-being, if if I'm a manager of a team, how do I go about taking that into account for everybody? How do I have a plan that meets everyone's needs rather than... Because often what we rely on, A, is, is, is a policy. or you Absolutely. know, and, and that's quite blanket. And a policy that sometimes is written by one or two people and yes. then applied across without a consideration of what other people's thoughts might be about that. But I guess, you know, if you think about the question you've just asked me, that's a really good place to start. Mm. What does well-being mean for you? What does being well mean for you? Yeah. Um, I, for example, have a 10-year-old son. 
um, and I have a partner who works full time. So what being well looks like for me is different to someone who maybe has adult children. Or a dog. Or a dog. Or several <laughs> dogs. I do have several dogs as you well. You have that but... as well, yes. <laughs> and you have other children. <laughs> yes, I do. I have adult children as well. So I guess, you know, to begin yes. with, actually having a common um, frame of reference mm. is important. So starting a conversation with the team members about mm. well-being, what does that look like? And thinking about the cultural overlay of that as well. And not just ethnic culture culture in terms of ethnicity but mm. culture in terms of backgrounds and life experience and all of those things that make us individual mm. so how do we have those conversations in a safe way how do we open up the dialogue for people to really examine things that might be hard to look at yeah what about you know um you know, we talk about you having a, a son who's still in school, so a younger son, but also adult kids. And there's obviously, um, and they, across our team, we have a number of people with um, responsibilities around childcare. Um, others don't have responsibilities around childcare. How do we um, manage that where you get some people on a team, potentially, I don't think our team, <laughs> but in some teams where people feel, oh, people with kids are getting it a bit easier, they get to you know, more flexibility because they, you know, their kids have needs. How and do you... I guess that, that becomes why, that's why it's so important to have an individual conversation, isn't it? Mm. Because while for someone with young younger children, flexibility to work around family might be the thing you need. If you've got yeah. an ageing parent who relies on you, then it may be flexibility around being able to do the things you need to do to support that family member. But it may be that you have a person in the team who is completely self-sufficient for want of a better word who has very few dependents mm. and what they need for their well-being might be quite different so I think the only time that comparinitis or compar yeah. comparisonitis or whatever we want to call it becomes an issue is where someone's needs aren't being met mm. so if we take an approach that looks at everybody for their unique position then there's less likelihood that people are going to feel aggrieved that they're missing out or someone's mm. getting something that they're not. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and and it's interesting, we're seeing more people actually having those responsibilities for older family members absolutely. as well. Yeah. And sometimes we have um, family, you know, sometimes we have community responsibilities or we have church responsibilities or we have uh, marae responsibilities or we have... Um, you know, responsibilities attached to other roles that we might hold in community or in our mm. in our communities. So, I think probably at the heart of this this point you're making is the importance of having a very well thought out definition of mm. of well being in a in an inclusive position that says that all of these obligations that people feel, all of these pressures or demands or requirements of people are all of equal value. Yeah, you know, that's We're right. not saying, actually, if you're a parent, your responsibility is way more important than if you're um, someone who leads mm. uh, a community, uh, you know, an informal community group that does certain things or a support group for this or whatever. Yeah. That everybody's experiences are of equal merit 
Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's a and we want a policy. If we want to go back to policy, yeah. we actually want a policy that reflects that inclusiveness as well. Yeah, and equity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone who was. Um, that's what brought up this comparison thing. Who felt hard done by because people who um, were parents were taking additional time off to look after their kids. And my argument was they also have to spend all of their holidays, <laughs> you know, looking after kids. So it didn't feel to me like they were yeah. getting anything yeah. additional, you know. But it is funny the, the different perceptions that people have. And so I like what you're saying there about that real clarity about that inclusive policy as well that makes it quite clear that this is about meeting yeah. everyone's individual needs. And I think if people feel supported, if people feel that they have everything they need to be the best they can be yeah. in their role and in their contribution, then people don't look across the fence. Yeah, yeah it's a really good point. Um, we will take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit about looking forward then. So how do we start planning for well-being in 2022? So, um, yep, we're going to take a short break. Be back with you shortly.
Now, I know that that is our generation, Karen, but I don't recognise that song. I do. Do you? No, I don't know it. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was an 80s song. <laughs> so, I've got Karen here today and we are chatting about well-being. Uh, it's that time of year where we're looking ahead um, into 2020 and thinking about what do we do to keep ourselves well. It's going to be a challenging year, I think. It, I think so. And I think it's different. Yeah. yeah we said this last year. Yes, we Last did. year was different to the year before. And, this, and next year will be different. Or this year will be different to yeah. last year. Yeah, absolutely. So so I thought it was timely to talk about um, well-being because I think well-being is something that we should be planning for rather than waiting. Doing reactively. And, that's right, mm. rather than reacting when you feel unwell. So Or reacting when the wheels fall off with somebody. Because yes. historically that's been where wellbeing's kicked in. Yeah. Oh, you know, we have EAP. Your, yeah. your wheels are falling off, Holly Peeps. You can go to EAP. EAP. Go talk to someone about it. Go and talk it. Yeah. to someone about the fact your wheels are falling off. And Whereas this is... This is yeah. The, this is keeping the, the wheels on. Yeah. This is actually... Lubricating the wheels and making sure that they're roadworthy and doing that in a way that it just happens. Yeah. It's not something you have to notice warning signs that... Yeah. So we talked before about um, having individual sort of plans across a team, about having a wellbeing policy which is open and and inclusive. Um, so what if, if we're sitting at this point as a manager of a not-for-profit organisation thinking about well-being for your team, what, what sort of things might you be thinking about now? How you role model exactly what you want yourself, yeah. first and foremost. See, now that's interesting, eh, because how often do we see a manager of an organisation working, you know, 15-hour days, never taking a sick day, never taking their annual leave? Yeah, and, it's and, very common. And it makes it hard for other people then to say, actually, I'm sick, I'm not going to come in, or I need a break. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when we talk about a well-being strategy or approach, it means everybody. Yeah. We don't exclude anybody, including the person who's leading the organisation. So I think that's a great point. So in the first instance, really good role modelling. Absolutely. I think really taking some time not just to jump at the obvious sort of oh okay let's um take a day and go and do something yeah and it's not necessarily that that's not a great strategy but I think taking the time to really consider in a more holistic way what are all the things that we could do because I think like you said before there may be things that we can do in terms of um, regular practices that make it easier for, say, people with school-aged children. It might be that we look at the way we, um, the way that we plan for activities to make sure that some of those big key events don't happen in school holidays. Yeah. For example. Yeah. Just as an example. So that's not a individual strategy that we would put in place for Karen, but it's a strategy we would put in place for the people that we employ and the people who. Um, we might interact with outside of our organisation to make sure that we're not adding extra pressure Mm. by planning something at a time that's more difficult for some people. Yeah. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Um, What about, so I'm trying to think of what are some of the key stresses for an organisation and and one that jumps out to mind is the financial pressures in the Mm. not-for-profit sector. And, And I think... We've seen a lot of people be quite concerned that 
there's been great additional funding, for example, into a COVID response, but there's worries that our, our general um, operational funds going to be maintained, you know, as we yeah. see funders reevaluating priorities. So, yeah. um, you know, how how does how do you consider sort of well-being for your organisation in that way? So I guess it's about first and foremost, as we said before the break, we need to have a really clear sense of what are we talking about. Mm. You know, what is the scope of this idea of well-being? And how do we get people on board with that? Because not everything that we do is going to have a, a dollar value attached to it. Mm. And there can be smarter ways of doing things. There can be smarter ways of carving out some time in the week mm. that doesn't actually have an extra cost attached to it. There might be ways of redistributing um, tasks mm. to free up some capacity somewhere in the mix. Yes. Um, sometimes we can look for um, activities or opportunities or responses that are offered freely. Mm. There's a lot of, um, you know, if you look at some of the Mental Health Foundation um, tools and strategies, if you look at some of the other kinds of um, resources that are available, there's a lot of freely available resources. Yeah. So I think when we're doing that, but I think also putting some budget aside yeah even if it's just 20 bucks a person yeah for the year mm. yeah look it, it feels like a pretty small investment for a big Absolute, payoff eh? yeah, absolutely and then thinking about how to get creative with that mm, yeah no that is that is an excellent idea um supervision is a tool we've used often as a sector to yes. support people's um well-being and, and absolutely us. and again doesn't have to be paid looking at you know how do we how do we uh, collaborate with others to create um, these opportunities for peer mm. support, peer mentoring, these yeah. communities of practice? You know, we bring people together to focus on things where there's a shared interest. And I think a really great example of that is the mentoring program that we um, mm. piloted here this year. And I know I have a mentee, someone that I've worked with in my role as an advisor um, but just creating this specific relationship so no money exchanges hands it's purely a contribution that we are making as an organisation to mm. the well-being of the sector but it's made a huge difference for that person just the regular commitment to actually fronting up mm. and having some time to to, re, to evaluate um, the things that are important to them yeah. to focus on the challenges that they may be facing to invest in themselves rather than always worrying about what's happening mm. for the other people in the organisation has had a has had a marked um, difference. I think um, I think that's a really good point. You know, and we think about the leaders of our organisations, and you were talking about role modelling before and, and the importance of that. Um, you know, I think that this is where it, it fits in absolutely. Mm. If you've got a leader who is taking those sort of opportunities, growing. Um, their own reflection and reflective yep. practice, but also then really considering their um, their own well being. Yeah. Um, that that will then filter down. And it to gives a, team. a permission, doesn't it? It, it does. gives people a permission to do things differently. But yeah, or we, to have a conversation when they're struggling. Absolutely. Because it can be really hard to reach out, like you know, especially if you think if you think the person you're reaching out to never has an issue, never has a problem, always, you know, 100% yeah. robust and, yeah. you know. Absolutely. And 
you know, as you're talking, what's resonating with me is the fact that, and I know it as an individual, but I see it in organisations as well, that the tougher it gets, the more insular we become. So the tougher a circumstance is, then the more we turn our attention inward. So we see that in organisations, don't yes. we? If you think about some of the groups that we've worked with and think about our own organisation, when the going gets tough, where does our attention go? It yeah. comes inward and then the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And those blinkers that we put on might turn our attention away from some of the things that we could do that are helpful, yeah. either as an organisation or as an individual. And so perhaps one of the things is to continue or to have um, some really explicit conversations about that mm. you know about not just turning our attention inward yeah keeping one eye on the landscape and if we do that as an organization again we're role modeling for the individuals within the organization that that's a yeah a healthy practice so if we return back to um as a manager leading a, a not-for-profit organization how we start planning for this that first thing then is that conversation isn't it mm. you know putting so it the out internal there internal conversation yeah but I'd also suggest that there's an external conversation too, or there's an external casting of your eyes. So if you are the leader of an organisation and you recognise that part of being well is to stay part connected to a broader mm. community, it might be about looking at and going, who are my peers? Mm. Who out there is, you know, sitting with some of the same stuff that I am? Who out there is offering... So if you think about our managers forum, if you think about the community houses network, if yes. you think about some of those, those mechanisms are a really important mm. um, contributor to well-being. Yeah. So yeah. looking outside and going, okay, well, so what's going on out there? Mm. So as you saying, I'm far too busy. I couldn't possibly go to a um, a meeting to talk about. Well, you know, yes, my yeah. how I'm feeling about the work I'm doing. I just need to get on and do the work. Yeah. Um, is quite short-sighted. So being able to look for those opportunities and build them into the mm. build them into the calendar. I was just reflecting with you before this show that you know for my team, the team that I'm I'm part of, we met this morning. It's the first time we've met since July, mm. and we were reflecting on how um, how that you know what the impact of that has been, and how we're not feeling as connected to each other as we typically would, and then how much more energised and how our cups have been filled just by the fact that we mm. come together. So looking at our internal structures to make sure that we are staying mm. connected, especially in this pandemic environment where we're working a lot of the time away from the office. Yeah. A lot of the, t yeah, a lot of the time using digital means, so we're not even engaged in each other's energy. Yeah. So we're not even in, in the same room together and there's an energy that's created between people yeah. when you're together. It's something different, isn't there, about that face-to-face -face yeah. connection. Yeah. Mm. So in the absence of that, what do we do to remain connected with one another? Yeah. Do we just make a connection with someone via Teams or Zoom just to check in and see how they are, just to say, hey, 
Yeah. No, haven't talked to you for a while. What's up? Yeah. What, what are you doing? That's right. So kind of um, creating the water cooler because it's, yeah. it's not there to run into each a other virtual, anymore. A virtual water cooler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. from our perspective, you know, I'm thinking about what we need to do for like the outdoor area at work to make it a little bit more inviting to be a place people sure. want to gather and yeah. being outside and in summer feels a lot safer, you yeah. know, than, yeah. than other places. So, yeah. For sure. So all of those like little a, things. Feels like a hard space to, you know, jazz up though. <laughs> well, our space. Yeah. yeah. I think you might be right there. But I'm, yeah, hey. <laughs> we can always try, can't we? We can always try. But I think that's the key, isn't it? Is, is to keep thinking and looking at where are the opportunities to um, to grow that well-being and, and how do we forecast and look at where the problems might be and, and prevent them from occurring in the first place. Sure. So some of those little things, like I'm just thinking about um, in another role that I have and a person that I, I work alongside, that we have um, walk and talks. Mm. So if we're meeting, instead of uh, meeting in a room, sitting down, we will walk and talk. Yeah. And that is hugely beneficial. Absolutely. So those kinds of, you know, getting creative. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to try and walk and talk with someone who's like, yeah, nah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, no, walking, walking isn't my jam, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd, rather have a, I'd rather have a cup of coffee. So I think that's quite important too, you know, what you're raising there is that need for, you know, a kind of mutually beneficial. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Look, like, I think I said to you in the team meeting the other day about I, I don't like the three years, you know, forced family fun. I'm just, yeah. not so, I'm just not into anything that feels forced. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes you got to force people out the door, though. <laughs> Just saying. That's debatable, Holly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm unlikely to make everyone go ziplining, for example, because I don't think everyone necessarily would be into that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, and I think that's the point. It's understanding that people have different yeah. desires or people find different things supportive or different things um, mm. interesting or exciting. Yeah, yeah. And people come with their own histories yes. you know so they come with their own past experiences sometimes it may not be that positive and people don't always disclose that stuff to us so sometimes we can be trying to do something that we think is great and we might be really pu- pushing someone outside of their comfort zone into their danger zone so it's a really good point too we're actually out of time. because oh, you and I can talk. <laughs> oh, I know, can't we? But I, I think, I think you know, I'm hoping listeners have at least got a sense about what are some of those key things to consider. And, and I think, that, you know, even that last point, it keeps coming back to really no... Individualised. That's right, yeah. It's treating people where they're at um, and taking that into consideration and being authentic in how it is you apply that for, for them across the team. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate You're your time. You're welcome. That's us for another week. You've been listening to Connect with Community Waikato. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.